0: If I had windows in this sanctuary, I was praying this week and I want you to turn to Acts chapter 1. In a minute we'll be going there and we'll, we'll work our way through three or four places in New Testament in just a minute. But if I, if I could, if we had windows in this sanctuary this morning, I would literally take time to open a window On this side of the sanctuary, and I would open a window on this side of the sanctuary and say, God, in 2020, may we open the windows open to the Spirit of God and what He wants to do among us. So I want to open the windows this morning and tell you that the church needs to be alive. Church needs to be alive. The church needs to be alive. Turn to your neighbor and say, get ready. He's going to say that again, and I want you to make him believe it. You ready? The church needs to be alive. Amen. That's what I want every time I say amen right there. We, ladies and gentlemen, we have to show this world that we really believe this. We, listen, the world's full of death. They should come in here full of life. This ought to be the happiest place in town. You missed it. Ready? One more time. I've got to get you in this habit of letting the Lord know. This isn't for me. It's not for you. It's for everybody else who's sitting here doubting or having struggles. Let me tell you, life, the church should be alive because our God is alive. Amen. I want to stop and say a thank you to Henry Falcons. I don't know if he, yeah, you're back in the sanctuary. And Dave Morris, who the last couple of weeks worked and built us some camera stands so you don't have to duck your head. and We're on Facebook above everything now, and it'll just be a whole lot better. Thank you, gentlemen, for your work and your talent. Would you thank them for a much-needed improvement? Thank you, you guys. Acts chapter 1. I'm going to read some powerful words, and I want you to listen to them. As we walk through this powerful book. Ladies and gentlemen, this, this Bible is more than printed words on paper. Okay, I'm going to say it again. This Bible is more than words printed on paper. I hope everybody here that didn't believe that now believes it. Do you want your wife to believe you when you tell her something? Do you want your children to say yes sir and yes ma'am, no ma'am and all that? I think God needs us to affirm our belief too. Listen to some powerful words of God. The Christ has come. He has given his life. It cost God the life of his son to save you and to save me. But he loved us enough to send him. And he loved us enough to stay because he could have left here and called the angels and said, forget it. But he thought you were worth saving. But listen to what it takes today. In a world full of death, it takes life to overcome death. Let's try this again. It takes life to overcome death. Wow. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, get used to that because that's going to become the norm. These are words of life, ladies and gentlemen. This is not just a story. This is your eternal life and mine. Okay, enough fun and enough gouging. Just listen to some powerful words. Luke was a physician, probably the most educated of those who wrote in the New Testament, other than perhaps Saul who became Paul. He writes to the church, Theophilus, it. To give him a letter. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. Verse 2. Until the day which he was taken up. He was taken up after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his sufferings by many infallible proofs being seen by them during 40 days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Christ talked to the apostles. He was crucified, resurrected. For 40 days he told them about this church that was coming and how he wanted to save the world. And being assembled, verse 4, together with each of them, meaning Christ and the disciples, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord... Will you restore, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? I want you to notice something. Christ is telling them, I'm about to birth this church, and it will be done in life, not in death. It will be done in power, not in weakness. But I want you to tarry until I place that spirit and that power in you, because without it, you're no match for the enemy. And he said, I want you to get kingdom-minded the rest of your life, serve your generation, and do what I ask you to do. I'm going to reward you for it, but the good reward is I'm going to save each generation if you will be faithful witnesses through this power. And you know what they did about the kingdom? I thought you're going to restore the Israeli kingdom. They were so earthly-minded still. They needed something else To direct their lives. Let's go over to Acts chapter 2. Those 500 people went to the upper room. After those many days, 10 days, only 120 were left. But how many of you know God keeps his promise? Now, when the day, chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, the word pente means five or fifty, the fiftieth day after the resurrection, suddenly there was a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them divided tongues as a fire, and one set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I know there's been many questions about this. I know if you count the languages, there were 16 and they spoke in known languages on the earth. But I just want to tell you, you need to do the whole counsel of God and realize that later on Paul or Saul is going to be saved and he's going to write most of the epistles in the New Testament and he had this spirit baptism and he says, there are more than tongues of men, there are tongues of angels and God sends it to us in a prayer language so you and I can pray in power and in the Spirit, and the devil doesn't have any idea what's going on. I'm proud to be a Pentecostal. We've been ridiculed and put out through the years, and some of it we've earned and deserved, but I want to tell you, it is the Spirit that brings life. There is life in the Spirit of God. Turn a few pages to the right, Romans 8. I mean, I'm sorry, yes, Romans 8, and I want to read one verse, 11. 11. How many of you believe Christ was risen from the dead? He is at the Father's right hand. 8.11 says, But if the Spirit of Him who raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, if the Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body. Through His Spirit who dwells in you. When you come to Christ, I want to tell you something. The Holy Spirit takes up residence. I think I could, I won't take time except just a minute. I think I could argue the fact that the Spirit of God actually woos us and draws us and brings us into our salvation. And when we give our heart, soul, mind to the Lord, the, the Spirit takes up residence in us. I could take issue in Greek and all those things about there's a difference in the word being filled with the Spirit and the word bapto meaning immersed in the Spirit. Another day, another different doctrine. I just want to share with you that God wants every believer filled and I believe baptized in His Spirit. Let's go to Second Timothy, about 30 pages to the right, final scripture. Listen to what Paul wrote to Timothy. It is is Second Timothy 1, verse 7 says this. For God has not given us a spirit of what? So I want you to say it with me. I want to make it personal. God has not given me. Ready? God has not given me a spirit of fear. But of power and of love and of a sound mind. So let's make it personal and let's say it again. For God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Thank you, Lord. Father, walk with us. Let your Spirit do his work among us. I pray for your glory. Amen. I want to talk to you this morning. There is life in the Spirit. There is life in the Spirit. God is in the life... Business. God is in the life-giving business. God is in the life-sustaining business. Every enemy that comes against us is always trying to bring death to any situation, any person, any life that he can. Listen to me. If you follow Satan and you follow a heart that is not twice born, you're going to pay the prices for everything that Satan's trying to do in death in your life. When you hear a phrase like in our society, he or she's the life of the party, or the place was electrified because of their personality, and the place came alive. Those those things are describing the event and they are they are addressing the spirit of the event and the atmosphere. I want to tell you God wants to bring his spirit and put life in us, enrich our hearts. Fill us with the, the longings that we have. Direct our paths. God wants to give us discernment about our thinking. He wants to place His joy and peace in our lives, in our home. And He wants us to know and enjoy relationships among the body of Christ and everyone we know. He wants to order the steps of the believer. God wants to be part and parcel of your entire life. And He wants to in, in fill it. And place in it life and joy and peace, not death and sorrow. He's talking about the spirit that's in your life. I remember in football in high school, man, we would we would say we have to we have to lift our spirits, and we would you know get in that huddle and one two three and all that stuff. And then I went to the military. It's called the esprit de corps. Listen, if you think pastor says say amen, you ought to be under the charge of a di who will scream till he vibrates around you, and he requires that of every one of you because he wants you to believe in Uncle. Sam's army and so let me tell you if the marines and the army and the navy and all and all that I could go the coast guard everybody if they were to have to say "Amen," they wouldn't get by with a amen yes sir and you say well I wouldn't do that yes you will <laughs> yes you will there's something about be have something having life in it I believe the New Testament church of Jesus Christ should be the most alive place on earth. I believe it should be alive people. I believe it should be in a live atmosphere. And you say, Pastor, I'm on medication. Then have faith and maybe you ought to ask your doctor and stop it. But if it keeps you from being alive for God, we need to do something about it. Well, Pastor, I just don't feel I I I am so uh, weary of excuses. I'm just going to say what my drill sergeant said. If you don't do it, give me 50. If you don't do it, give me 100. If you don't do it, give me 200. You're going to do this. (laughs) Because we need life among us. I've I've used this illustration before, but follow me in an old legend. When Christ was returning to heaven... After coming and dying and resurrecting and and ascending, the angels and cherubim and seraphim all were curious about this journey that Christ had traveled while he was on the earth. And they began to question him about his accomplishments. Did you found a great movement? Did you lead a great army? Can I tell you something? He led a great army before he came to earth. (laughs) Read about him all through the scripture about him being the Lord of hosts. That's a military term that means God's army. How many followers did you have? And Christ replied, Well, I attracted good crowds usually, but only had 12 disciples and a few close friends. Well, then the angels and cherub and all them said, well, if so few, you must have had an exceptional human beings with sterling character, leaders in the community, successful in their careers, everything that humanity would think. And Jesus replied, actually, they were pretty ordinary people. There was tax collectors, several fishermen, just common working people. And the angel said, Well, they must have been very loyal in a dedicated group. And Jesus said, I believe they wanted to be loyal. But in my hour of crisis, one of them, the main leader, actually betrayed me. Another denied me. And almost all of them, when I was under judgment, fled. And the angel said, Well, and you expect this crowd to carry on your work? And Jesus said, I do. And the angel said, Surely you have some alternative plan, alternate plan. And Jesus said, I have no alternate plan. The angel said, Well, you must have another group in reserve in in case this group fails. And Jesus responded, I have no other plan. I have no other group. This group is the one that I'm depending on because this group is my church. Ladies and gentlemen, as unstable and as unreliable, sometimes as we are, as easily as we become discouraged and distracted, even the pastor can become discouraged. How many of you are just kind of glad to know that I'm still human? I know it's hard for some of you to believe, but I am. I am. And as quickly as we become tired and ready to give up, as often as we are inclined to complain, how many of you know that you're not the only one that complains? Or, or how should I say that? I should tell you, everybody else complains too. As stubborn as we are, as insistent as we are in going our own willful ways, And as weak as we are with our good intentions, we mean well. And as undeserving as we are, the fact remains, ladies and gentlemen, Christ has committed the ongoing work of the kingdom into my hands and your hands. Even the casual reader of the New Testament will find that Christ left his work into some pretty shaky hands. Peter, I love Peter, impetuous, but he would leap before he looked. At least he had some enthusiasm. He would speak before he thought, but at least he had some zeal. Judas maintained all the time a secret agenda. He would betray him. He would sell him out. Thomas was always the voicing of the skepticism, the negative. Philip continued to ask ridiculous questions while James and John were busy plotting and politicking for their two best spots, the right and the left seat of Christ when he comes into his kingdom. You see, you need to understand that these guys thought they saw him resurrect. They knew him. They saw him do miracles. When he, when, when a All the the soldiers came to arrest him before he was going to the cross. They simply said, are you the son of God? And he said, I am. And every soldier, just the power of his word, hit the ground. This Christ had an omnipotent power. He could just say, be gone. And they would have been vaporized. If you want to bring it to the new, what's that, that outer space show? What is all that? Come on. Star Wars. Why? I have never seen a Star Wars movie. And I don't think I'm the loser. <laughs> if you like everything in the vapors, fine. The, these, the, yet, these were the ones, these guys, entr- he had, they were the ones entrusted with the task of proclaiming salvation to a lost generation and on and on. There is a wayward world out here today, ladies and gentlemen, and you and I are entrusted with the task of proclaiming God's word to this lost world. I want to look at some sobering facts and allow me a few moments of negativity. I just want to look at it as it was. This is not church history in the sense of studying it all the centuries, but it is the condition of the church when Christ left. You see, God is always flabbergasting the mind of the human being. What adds up to us? You gotta remember, ladies and gentlemen, we're in this natural world and, and we have, we have a spirit. And yet, let me just tell you, the spirit world sometimes doesn't add up in the natural world. Let me just look at some things about this church when Christ left it. First of all, Christ left a disappointed church. They had received a call but with an entirely different concept and with very, very different expectations than Christ had. He was going to use them. They thought they would join his army and he would do that. They had received that call. They were ready followers, but they were a little short on wanting to lead. They expected him to set up the kingdom. They saw themselves on the thrones with him. They hoped he would redeem Israel. And together, as his army, they would topple the Roman Empire under the might of his power. By his teachings, by his cross, he shattered the dreams, disappointed. These people thought, what is this? This is not as we appointed it. Has God ever done something that totally beprised you? <laughs> Second of all, the church he left was a confused church. How could Jesus allow himself to be crucified? Had they seen him... They. they They had seen him rebuke the raging storms. They had seen him cast out demons. They had seen him heal the sick. They had seen him even raise people from the dead. They knew he had the power to face Caiaphas with his vindictiveness. They knew he had the power to face Herod with his arrogance and Pilate with his vacillation. They knew he could have called legions of angels to come even if it were to take him off the cross. He could have called them before he walked down the Via Dolorosa, before he was ever beaten with a cat of nine tails. Why did he submit to that humility and calvary and death? Why did he do that? Ladies and gentlemen, I believe their confusion was the confusion of many believers today. We get confused when we see goodness crucified at the hands of evil. We get confused when we see bad things happen to good people. We get confused when life seems to be contradicting everything that we believe all about power and and a just God, and a faithful God, and a blessing God, we get confused pretty easy when things don't go our way at all. Amen? Christ left also, thirdly, a weakened church. Some, some divided them, some betrayed them, some deserted them, some even denied them, some tried to turn them over to the magistrates to try to stop this ch- church. Satan had sown the discourse and the discord. Every one of them, every one of these people, these disciples had feet of clay. Every one of them could not be counted on when things were down. Every one of them were ashamed of their behavior the night Jesus was betrayed. They failed him and they knew it. They didn't stick with him and they knew it. Their self-confidence, their idea of who and what they were had been shaken. And listen. Satan will do everything he can in your mind and in your heart and in your life to get you to think you're unworthy, to get you to think you're not good enough, to get you to think every negative about yourself. That's the death I'm talking about that Satan puts into this world. And yet God sent a New Testament church and his word with promises and a preacher and people to say go into this world and spend, give them life because I'm going to give you life through my spirit. And fourthly, Christ left a frightened church. I don't have to tell you that after the day of resurrection, they all went and hid themselves. They they shut the shutters. They locked the doors. What had happened to them? Listen, let me tell you something about human nature. It's a lot easier for us to be courageous behind somebody else's courage. But when you have to have it on your own, it can be a different thing. What happened to them? Jesus has said, here it is, if they hate me, they're going to hate you. If they ridicule me, they're going to ridicule you. And seeing what happened to him, they beat him, they crucified him, they put him in a grave, and they were afraid. And lastly, I think Christ left a lifeless church. Why, Pastor? He was no longer present. He was the one who had brought them together. He is the one who had given them life. He's the one who had given them hope. So I I want you to look on your screen. He, He left the church disappointed, confused, weakened, frightened, lifeless. The church he left was all this. That's all the negative. But I want to say, however, Pastor, why do you get so excited? Because however can change everything. Whosoever can change everything. I don't care what he's done to you. I don't care the death he puts in you. I don't care what he says to you. I don't care how dire it is. I want to tell you, God will give you life through his spirit. <laughs> however, <laughs> it was also a believing church. They still believed it even though they couldn't understand it. He, They were also a hopeful church. He had talked about the kingdom. He had talked about an eternity of heaven. He had told them that and they were hopeful that. They were also a trusting church. They had seen him keep his word, and they weren't expecting church. He said, I came the first time, and I'm coming a second time. And with all that happened, with all the list of the weakness and the confusion and disappointment and all that, the record, ladies and gentlemen, shows they still dared to believe his promise. They still dared to follow his commandments. Saints, ladies and gentlemen, mom and dad, young people, some things Satan cannot destroy. Some things the world and all of its system and all of its powers and demons and wickedness in high places, age rulers of darkness, some things in this world God has touched and Satan cannot touch it. I want to use another illustration, and some of you have heard this, but it just fits so well. It's a story about once a great violinist. His name was Niccolo Paganini. He was playing in a concert. While playing, a string broke on the violin. How many of you know there's only four strings? A string broke. And the crowd began to kind of laugh and snicker, but he continued to play. After a little bit, a second string broke. And the crowd got louder with their, oh my. And finally, along the way, the third string broke. But he continued. He continued. And when the third string broke, he began to play the notes, a glorious music, on the one string he had left. The audience, realizing he was finishing the concert, instead of the ease of four strings, he was playing it note for note on one. It got quiet. It was a hushed audience filled with wonder because it didn't take long for that audience to realize they were in the presence of someone who had mastered that instrument. One who could bring forth sublime music from a violin with three broken strings. I don't care if you're in this house this morning and you have three broken strings. God can put a tune and a sound And bring life to you through his spirit like you have never known in your life. That's the message of the Bible. Satan may break you ten ways to Sunday. But I'm going to tell you one way is this. God knows how to heal. The church Jesus left had three broken strings. But they continued to play on the one string of faith. It was his promise, his promise, his promise. He had promised them a comforter, he had promised them power, and he had never told an untruth. Then they remembered. He told them this time would come. He told them they would be rejected and ridiculed and the dumb people at church and these these Christians and how ridiculous they are. He told them that the sheep would scatter. He told them that you will have tribulation. The devil's going to do everything he can to tear you alive up and he's going to tempt you and he's going to get in control of you and you'll do things you would never imagine under his powerful sting of death. But he, Jesus also said, Be of good cheer. I have overcome everything that devil can do to you. Yes. Amen. Amen. And early on the third morning when it was still dark and he had been placed in a tomb, Mary came running and crying. And Jesus had kept his word. Ladies and gentlemen, sometimes... All we can do, all we have, is His Word. Sometimes life and circumstances will contrast everything we believe. Lord, I thought you said this. Lord, listen, I'm a pastor and I want to tell you something I'm guilty of. I have gone to God's Word and looked at a circumstance and a situation and said, God, why are you doing this to me? I've done this and this and this. How many of you know that there isn't any righteous that merits anything? It's not by works of righteousness, but by His blood. He has declared me justified in the kingdom. Thank you, Lord. But I, I, I would go to the Lord. Your word says this and look at this. Your word says this and look at this. I just want to tell you, I've told you this before. I just say this so you remember, I've tried to get God to say, God, I'm getting beat up down here. Lord, if there ain't anything in this world going right for me. Every time I turn around, I get sour this, hit this, I get bruised here, I get that all the Lord, why you why are you doing this? I try God, you, you know how late this is? I'm tired of this. I try to get God to put my watch on and say, it's time and he goes, I have my own watch. I own my own watch. Because let me tell you, there's always something else God's doing inside of us in our spirit that all these circumstances will teach us. It'll lead us, but it'll get us to where we have to do business with God. How many of you know what it is to do business with God? How many of you know what it is to be like your whole veins are full of rottenness? And you know how to go do business with God. Aren't you glad he keeps his promise? Wow. Wow. This is, sometimes all we have is one string, and that's this. And I've learned to practice this with the Lord. Sometimes all I have left to play, and my faith can only play one string, and it's this. It's what He has done. The only string I have left it's what he has done. He has stood with us in difficult times. He has fought our battles. He has opened doors for us. He has given us direction. He has ordered our steps. He has still the storms. And the only string that we have left is he has promised. He has promised. He has promised. And they remembered it and they gathered in the upper room. Now follow me. That was the day of Pentecost. I'm going to go all the way back to Genesis. And the earth was void and without form. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved. And the Spirit of God came upon Abraham. And the Spirit of God came upon Isaac and Jacob and Moses and Gideon and Samson and Samuel and Jeremiah and David and Solomon and Elijah and a double portion of his spirit came upon Elisha and the spirit of God came upon Job he lost 10,000s of camels 10,000 oxen 10 children and his wife said while he was in a garbage heap with boils all over his body with broken piece of potsherd scraping them because he was trying to get some relief from the wound. And the Spirit of God came. Listen to the one string that Job said, Though God slay me, I will trust him. Yeah. And later on, listen to what he said. I know that in my body though that they uh, though that be eaten by the skin worms I know that in my flesh I will stand before the almighty eternal God don't you let the things of this world dictate life to you ladies and gentlemen we live in a natural world but we live in a supernatural world and I'm telling you the Lord sent me to the pulpit this morning to say there is life in the spirit And I don't care what kind of death Satan may be trying to bring to your house, to your marriage, to your life, to the church, to the whole world, to our politics. My God, we need God in Congress, don't we? Do we need need God to help us in Iran and Iraq and all the world? The Spirit of God came upon Job and Isaiah and Hosea and Zechariah. 400 years. The Old Testament ended. Matthew 1. And Gabriel came to Mary and said, You will birth the child of God. And Mary said to the angel, Watch here. Here's the natural world, and here's the spirit world in conflict. It's the same world that goes on in every one of us. Mary said, How shall this be, seeing that I do not know a man? I have not been in intimacy with a man. And the angel answered and said unto her, I want to tell you something. There's life in the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And He will impregnate you with life. Can I just say when you come to God and say here I am and repent, I want to tell you something. God will impregnate you with life. And Acts 2 arrived, all through the Old Testament. Acts 2 arrived, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, God said, Brooks, my watch said it's time. The life of the event, the power of the New Testament church was fulfilled and filled full by the promise of Jesus. And now, I want you to hear me. Now, this morning, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. The gates of hell cannot prevail against your house. It cannot prevail against your marriage. It cannot prevail against your finances. It cannot prevail in anything about you because you are wholly His. We sang in the first song, He is mine and I am His. Now no weapon formed against you shall prosper. How many of you have that hope in you? How many of you have that hope in you? No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Wow. Church, there is life in the Spirit. My message this morning is simple. Not only does Christ keep His promises... And I've said it earlier, they are also perfectly timed. One of Satan's most often used instruments is discouragement. Satan brings discouragement to speak death to your spirit and everything else to our lives. But one thing I know, the one thing, the one string that I can play, I believe, regardless of circumstance, Regardless of time, regardless of situation, I believe His Word. God's Spirit brings life. God's Spirit brings life. Can I have the musicians come... I speak to people all the time, ladies and gentlemen, where Satan has filled them with death. Fill them with death. I want you to bow your heads this morning. Close your eyes. Pastor, there's death in me. Satan's telling me that I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I don't have what it takes. Everything I hear is against me. But I want you to hear the Word of God today. God so loved the world He gave His only begotten Son that if you'll call on His name, He'll make you a new creature.